I'm Whitney. I'm with Kuzi Construction. Um, I'm an account executive and this is Innovations and Integrations and I have Trevor Nolan with me today. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, so you run a business um, in defense technology related. Right. We'll get into more of that later because I really have no idea what that means. But um, Summit Advanced Program Consulting, correct? That's right. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what that is and what you do. Absolutely. So when I retired from active duty, in March of 2022, I started Summit Advanced Program Consulting and with the explicit mission of working within the defense technology space. So if you think about any emerging technology, uh, whether that be aircraft, satellites, artificial intelligence, data analytics, uh, those are the things that I did when I was on active duty. And so it was an easy transition to then create my own company, continue to utilize my network both here in Colorado Springs and then throughout the Department of Defense, and really just continue to serve in just a different uniform, right? So took off my took off my camouflage and put on a sport coat and kept the same friends, and then you know just worked uh, to bring the best of technology to the Department of, of Defense. Okay, so you are a veteran. That's right. Um, I meant to touch on that earlier. Uh, Air Force. That's right. Twenty-one years. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your service. Well, thanks. Um, tell us how, what made you want to serve? Oh, to serve in the Air Force? Yes. That's an easy one. So I come from a long line of folks that have served in the military. Uh, the only one that was in the Air Force, that was my grandfather, my late grandfather. And, you know, I just really admired him, looked up to him throughout my entire childhood. But my mom served as well. She served in the Navy. Oh, cool. Yeah, and her brother served in the Coast Guard. And then even those that didn't serve um, in the military, in a military uniform, a lot of them served either at the municipal level, the county level, the state okay. level, or you know even a little bit different uh, twist on services. You know, as union members, as you know, advocates, as you know. So really, I come from a long line of servant hearts, and so for me, it meant military because yeah. I was such, I was a very social guy growing up, and I was more interested uh, in. I would say all the extracurriculars than I was in my academics, mm -hmm. and so for me, I just saw. Uh, the Air Force uh, specifically and the DOD, you know, all the services as a brotherhood that I really wanted to be a part of. And yes. so, you know, I kind of scraped through high school to, to get to my final, uh, you know, what I thought was going to be, I'm done with school, I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> well, then I went to college, right? And then yeah. in college I did um, ROTC. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there I was commissioned. And yeah, and I commissioned in 2001 and I retired in 2022. Wow, yeah. that's a long service. It was. It was great. I I wouldn't give a single day of it up for sure. So you start got in ROTC at eighteen, mm -hmm. then went to college. That's right. And then joined in the twenty two active duty in twenty twenty or as at twenty two years old in two thousand one. That's right. Wow, and then you just like officially retired from that's right. service last year, mm -hmm. um, and now you're running a summit. That's right. Uh, and from my perspective, you're doing a lot out there like you're all over the place <laughs> there's so much overlap I'll be talking about something and you know more than I do and it's crazy so how I mean how are you getting the the business that you're getting the traction sure so before I answer that question let me pull that back a little bit and say the reason that I am able to see you everywhere is because you're obviously in the mix <laughs> as well so you're a recent transplant to Colorado Springs yes. and I lived in Colorado Springs three different times during my active That's duty right. time yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. so I knew the great part about being on, you know, in the military is you get to travel 
all around the world. You get to you know, experience amazing places, endless than amazing places. And then you get to pick whichever one's your best or you know, your favorite, right. and you make that your home forever. And so that was me in Colorado Springs. So first time I touched ground here in Colorado Springs, it was 2003. And so I lived here for four years during that assignment. Uh, went away for a number of years, came back 10-ish, 11 years later, was here for another batch of years, and then intentionally took what I knew would be my last assignment in 2019 okay. here okay. so that I could retire in place. And so I would say that knowing the town, growing in the town, yes. and then wanting to serve the town would definitely define my three different touch points of Colorado Springs. So yeah, it's true. I When you're retired and you're starting chapter life, the only when you're in the military, you have a lot of people to answer to. Yeah. When you're a civilian, you only have one person to answer to. That's yourself, right? Yeah. And so I want to try everything. I want to do everything. And I, I want to have, I want to continue my service. Mm -hmm. In addition to service, I want to introduce portions of charity. And I'm doing some of that as well. And then the for-profit stuff is nice because it keeps my mind sharp. It keeps my right. network strong. And it allows me to still kind of directly serve to that DOD mission. And so everything that all the decisions I've made over the last year have really been to those different lanes, right? You gotta make a little bit of money. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. um, you still wanna serve in a meaningful way. That's been really rewarding. And the charity portion is really new. And so I've been doing that deliberately as well. And I have zero complaints in my whole life. It's been great. But back to your original point, the reason why we see each other everywhere is because you are doing that same thing. And and you haven't had all of the years in Colorado Springs and we're in the same rooms. So that speaks a lot to uh, your tenacity and uh, your ability to hit the ground here in Colorado Springs. Well, it's honestly, it hasn't been that hard. I appreciate that. Um, but this community, I moved here intentionally like you. This community is amazing. Um, it, it has that small town feel and the infrastructure is growing and that's cool to see. Um, but there's such a high uh, prevalence of DOD with all the bases and then the families. And so it, it just was very accepting and easy to start talking about SCIFs, um, which is what I focus on. Um, and a lot of my business, um, and that is an overlap with you. That's right. Um, because as far as I understand with um, your business and defense technology, in order to, to do those programs, these contractors need secure facilities. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, and that's how I got here today. And again, yeah, I was really excited uh, that you invited me. So let's talk a little bit, let's break that down. So my entire career I worked with classified programs. I mean, it's not uncommon for somebody to join the military and that's all they've ever done. And so that has certain physical security requirements, what we usually call gates, guns, or guards. Mm -hmm. And um, and that is all around a secure facility uh, where you can process, um, exploit, and disseminate, acquire, develop, you know, deploy, and employ all of these classified things. So everything from and let's talk a little bit about why we secure things, right? Right. It would not be nice to be able to tell everybody everything, but then you lose some sort of your asymmetry when it comes to warfare, right? So in the, you want to be able to appear 10 feet tall, mm -hmm. and you want to be able to demonstrate that you have the willingness to use these things if pushed, right. and you want to have the ability to maneuver within the con uh, continuum of conflict, right? Escalate to de-escalate. Mm -hmm. or brinksmanship. There's a bunch of different methodologies behind that, but we classify these things so that we can protect and defend the United States of the nation, right? Other nations have things that they're trying to keep secret from us too. Right. 
but ultimately what it does is it allows us to not just go to war with everybody, right? There's some amount of restraint. I and like that actually. I, I thought about it from that perspective. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. No, Sorry. no, fine. But but in that restraint is where we keep these tools that are in some cases they are something that anybody can have, but maybe they haven't understood how to use it in that certain way. Right. You know, for example, a toaster is meant to make toast. Well, if you're somebody you don't like or your adversary is in a bathtub, it could be used for other things. <laughs> right. Right? right. And it's not right. to make toast. Right. So we may classify the fact that the it has an application, that right. Okay. And then there's some things that are just state of the art, where the United States or our allies have a technology that is just something that we don't think anyone else has been able to think through, build, and maintain. Right, you protect it. That's right. Yeah. And so you have to do that in very specific facilities, like skiffs. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, civilians do that in lots of ways. We protect our, you know, our prized things. Right, intellectual and, property, for example. Right, mm -hmm. so it, it would There's make sense. There's badging and passwords. Yes. And it's just an extension of those things. Yeah. It just looks a little bit different when you're wearing a uniform. It does, and it sounds so serious. From a civilian, and new to the SCIF world and DOD in general, um, you know, we think of everything's with guns, like protection equals guns, mm -hmm. I guess, especially from Texas. <laughs> I, I just wasn't, I was so naive that there are facilities that have all of these um, mitigations in place that protect in all the other ways. And so it's cool and it's comforting to know that we go to those extents to protect information and our people, in extension, our people ultimately. Yeah. So that's cool. No, it's great. And that's why I think that we've naturally created a connection between Kuzi Construction and what I'm doing at Summit Advanced Programs Consulting. As more and more companies are realizing that the quality of life is amazing in Colorado, especially yes. Colorado Springs, <laughs> and that there is a lot of defense work to be done with the uh, beginning of the United States Space Force. And with the renaming of all the installations here, right? Shine Mountain Space Force Station, Shriver Space Force Base, I didn't Peterson know they were Space Force Base. Renaming all Sorry, of them. So they all used to be Air Force stations or Air Force oh. bases, but with the stand-up of the new service, there's really a big focus on technology here specific to the Space Force. Okay. Now there's other folks in town too, right? We have the United States Air Force Academy north of town. Yes. And then we also have uh, United States NORTHCOM, as well as a bilateral command between us and Canada called NORAD that's here as well. Oh, I didn't know that was yeah. with Canada. That's right, so that's Defense oh. of North America. Okay. Yeah, and then we okay. also have a special ops unit here as well that is, uh, it's uh, considered a theater special operations command, which is Special Operations Command North, which okay. is also in Peterson. So there's just so many different government customers here, and they demand that highest level of tech. And with yes. that, they have requirements for secure facilities. And we've just, over the last, well, just the year that I've been exposed to it, you know, my whole life, the skiff has never been big enough. We always need more people, or we need a hot desk. But yes. now, it's just exploding. I mean, we're really going through um, a big evolution when it comes to, yes. if you want to play in defense tech, and you want to be in Colorado Springs, which you obviously do, because quality life is good. Right, it's a place to be. It's a place to be. But it comes with a physical, security requirement that skips yes I love we've talked about this before um, and you talked about the evolution of like the skiff expectation mm -hmm. um, and there's lots you know we originally the mindset is this underground dark box mm -hmm. small um, and now they are not small anymore not all of them 
and they're not underground typically for at least for DOD contractors, people that are helping with those technological advancements for the for the government. Um, and so we're seeing, I'm seeing, you're seeing different expectations as far as the work environment in a skin. Um, previously, it was, you know, I had a group of people, all DOD raise their hand um, at this meeting and you know who's all worked in a skiff and they all the whole room went up who all liked it and they all like laughed you know right. no hands right because it doesn't leave a, a, an impression of I love working in there they might have enjoyed their job but they didn't necessarily enjoy the environment because it's the, the security is you know the focus that's right and now we're seeing a shift where um, the expectation of material application, the integration of natural light, and how that plays into the psyche and the, um, the happiness, the contentment um, on the body and the mind of the people that are spending so much time in there. Um, and so some of your clients and our overlapping, um, we're seeing some really cool investments in that. And um, I would like to hear your thoughts and um, opinions on this, this evolution in that physical world of the skiff? So that's a great question. And I will tell you, you're spot on. You know, I did that 20 years in a skiff. And, yeah. and, and like you said, it's not happy times. Right? <laughs> I mean, you are, you know, when I, when I was the first, when I was a young guy, right? And you even go to get your clearances, you know, you're just looking for like the darkest, darkest deepest hallways. You know, you're going downstairs and through hallways and through doors and more right. doors and more doors before you finally, you know, reach this, you know, holy of holies where the secrets are kept. <laughs> and then you have to watch videos, right? And then right. they just show you like, hey, you're in a position of trust for the United States government and your life will not be amazing. Like you will not see the sun. Yes. And that's, it's hard. It's hard on, on a lot of folks. and. You know, during my career, you know, I'm the 9-11 war generation where, you know, I came in, you know, a few months before 9-11 and did my entire, you know, nearly my entire career at war. So moving from skiff to skiff, from country to country, it really, you wouldn't know where you are because you're just in that box. Like right. you were saying, no natural light, you're, you know, many, many doorways between you and the outside. And we were busy. Yeah. You know, frankly, we were pushing data as fast as we could. We were, you know, building, constructing, integrating uh, things as fast as we could. And that was our mission. And creature comforts and quality of life were distant, you know, in the background. Right. I wouldn't even say a distant second. In many cases, I'd say distant 15th. Right, it's and, far. Right, and <laughs> yeah. shifts are long, you know, for a lot of folks that are, you know, processing, exploiting, and disseminating a lot of classified information they're on 12 hour shifts and they'll do four to five 12 hour shifts in a week. It's hard, if you're deployed, you get one day off. And right. so you're in a skiff for 12 hour shifts for six days straight with one day off. Ooh. It's hard. And then yeah. you add on top of that, you're many time zones away from your family or you're working nights, uh, either you know even in the same city as where your family is, but you don't really see them because you're sleeping during the day. Um, because unfortunately it leads to dark places. I mean, you live in a dark place and then you, you kind of just, that's where you are. So that, that's, that's the bad part of it. Yeah. Now, getting back to how do we fix this going mm -hmm. forward, people are open to spending a little more money yes. to have and to meet the instruction as it's laid out, mm -hmm. but to give their folks an ability to see natural sunlight, yes. the ability to have 
some places to collaborate, like what they see or what they would expect at a Facebook or Google or right. something like that. Yeah. Where it's like, mm -hmm. wow, I feel valued as a human because two or three of us can gather around this little cool kitschy table and mm -hmm. you know and be able to talk at the appropriate classified level. It doesn't have to be a cubicle or an office behind an office, you know. Right. And so I just think that that's good on defense tech and a lot of the, the contractors that are doing this and making it a priority. I like that point a lot because we just, I mean, we just presented something to you numbers-wise and I was shocked to see we did both base level versus great materials and considering all the bells and whistles and I was shocked to see that they were not that different. That's so. Right. Why wouldn't you? And I think it's, you touched on something good. Um, we have very important, educated, qualified people doing very serious work, arguably the most serious work as far as security um, and protecting America. Um, and their work environment does not reflect it. That's right. And while then we have the, the Googles and the Apples and the Facebooks and their work environments are amazing you know mm -hmm. and it's just kind of this backwards idea and if we can level that out um, it can instill I think the down the road it can instill better protection because they're working better and you're also gonna have less turnover yes that's a huge win because yes. I'll tell you even during the war years when I was in skiffs here in Colorado Springs people would just be worn down mm -hmm. and they're like well I'm not even really in the fight in their mind right they want right. they're not in the Middle East so they'll take an appointment, even if it's not related to what they are an expert in, just so they can out. go and work someplace else. About that. And then yeah. if you look at that then in the defense tech side, when you're talking about these contractors, look at the amount of turnover. Yes. And so I don't I don't know this to be true, but I would be interested to see if anyone has ever studied the effects of SCIF and the amount of turnover. Because I would imagine that when we're talking about these fractions of dollars, when you're talking about an overall build of something that's, that's true, how much are they losing in turnover? Because yes. turnover is the most expensive thing you do as a business owner, right? Yes, I'm excited to be part of the evolution um, here. I'm seeing it, and even my team, my team has been building, I'm new, a year. Um, but my team has been building skiffs for you know 20 plus years. koozie has been in construction for 36 years, um, and they, you know, I started instantly receiving clients with higher expectations for their skiffs and, and the team, it took a minute for them to wrap their head around like, that's a lot of money. I'm like, that is not the point. But you're right, it's not a lot of money. It might look square foot versus square foot, that's way more, yes. But turnover, overall satisfaction, getting the job done efficiently, it's negligible. That's right. Yeah. I would say if it took Koozie Construction a year to get their head wrapped around it, it took the government many, 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 years? many, many more years. Yeah. Right? You could put a times 10 on that or something, right? Yes. For them to realize, wow, we really need to start taking care of some folks. Because I'll tell you what, some of the best jobs, most rewarding jobs I've had are the ones where, gosh, I'm in the Air Force. Wouldn't it be nice to watch a plane take off? Right? Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That goes a long way. And you know the mission is to fly, fight, and win. Well, if I've never seen an airplane before, gosh, it really wears you down, <laughs> you know, because you identify yes. as an airman. You have all your. That's yes. right. And so, um, I just think it's it's really great that we're trying to do something for the folks that are airmen that do want to be 
you know, associated with flying, fighting, and win, winning America's, America's wars. Um, and this is just a way to do that for them. What exactly, we've talked a little bit about this and you use like words. One, the, the defense technology aspect, and then we've talked about um, algorithm warfare. Um, some of these things just blow my mind to the extent where I need to know more, but I, I what is that? So there's a great book um, recently that came out. It was called Like War, and it has the Facebook thumb on the front. I would highly recommend that book to anybody that really uh, wants to understand social engineering. Yeah. It does talk a little bit about uh, adversary nations attempting to sway voters' opinions and things like that. Well, yes. all these things are mathematical and algorithm-based. Um, that, that's what algorithm warfare is, and I will tell you that there's a lot in the open press that talks about that. But you know, anytime you're talking about the the United States as a nation is trying to put less humans in the fight. Right. You want to be as effective as possible while protecting as many Americans as possible, right? Mm -hmm. What they say is, you know, American treasure is our young sons and daughters that right. go and fight our wars. And so anything that we can do, and, and a lot of those things happen in SCIFs, mm -hmm. um, those advanced kind of technologies and programs, that's what their intent is. Ultimately, Warfare is an extension of politics, right? Mm -hmm. When diplomacy doesn't work uh, and kind of all other things have been, all the other instruments of power have been exhausted, then then you shove with military. And so, uh, but what I love about our country is, you know, gone are the days of sending every, you know, young person, do, yeah, yeah. doing the draft and, and every young man goes, yeah. to, goes to Europe or Asia to fight a yeah. war. Now we're trying to do it in smart ways. We're doing it with machines. We're doing it with machines that talk to other machines, even if they do disparate things. We're trying to create and fuse information and do it at a speed of relevance and do it at scale and do it over time. And those are the things that we build in SCIFs and that we implement in SCIFs. So it's just so important that the future of American warfare is going to be built and executed out of these, out of these facilities. I'm still learning um, things that could happen in a SCIF, and it makes sense to me that a lot of that information is, it's primarily technology-based. Um, and recently I've had to like get a, you know, a one-on-one -on -one course on like the low volt side of it, how that plays into the security level within the SCIFs because there's the SCIF and then there's security within the SCIF. Um, and then I heard, it all sounds like, just otherworldly to me when when a civilian, specifically me, um, I'm listening and I'm trying to agree and oh yeah, we can cover that. I'm just like, what is that? <laughs> you know? I'm like, can we cover that? They're like, yeah, we got it. And I'm just like, okay. But like the 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 server room, the communication room, the the hub that runs this skiff, right? Where all the network comes. Um, one of my customers that talked about, well, there needs to be room for the supercomputer. I'm just like, what? Like the, are we talking like quantum computing at this point? Or like, what is a supercomputer? Is it actually super? And I, the answer is yes. Like the, the space it takes up, the heat, you know, that it offset or with HVAC, it has very specific needs. Um, there's all these things that are happening in a skiff um, that it's not just conversations. There's this the internal infrastructure to manage it mm -hmm. so that it's secure is crazy. Um, so there's tell us a little bit about the programs. There can be like JWICS or SAPF or 
there's yeah. different there's different layers yes, that's exactly right, yes. compartmentalization and so when you start to talk about you know secret level data and top secret level data you know this these are this is how you handle the material um, and then when you start talking about top secret anything kind of above that it's it's either the means by which we get that data the sources we get that data from if you're talking about intelligence data mm -hmm. uh, primarily and then we do have other program data beyond that and what we want to make sure when we're building these facilities the information is I mean it's our crown jewels right, right? and so they need to be protected in such a way insider threat is real I mean, there, we watch a lot of videos on insider threats, espionage, yes. a, you know, traitors to our country that found themselves in a bad way or, or influenced by another nation to, to move data, you know, classify data right. to our adversaries. And we lose, in some cases, decades of research um, and, and good engineering work to get to that, and we can give it away in a minute. And so when you're talking about being able to further restrict movement, mm -hmm. physical movement, as well as movement within the cyberspace from right. the different computers, uh, the military is going. The DoD CIO, so the Chief Information Officer for the Department of Defense, is implementing something called zero trust. Zero trust is it's not a thing. It's more of a methodology of how we can protect data, so that when someone gets access, say you have a top secret clearance and there's a top secret associated computer you're allowed to work on, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be in there for the thing that you're supposed to be in there for. You're not supposed to be in there for everything that's stored on that computer. That would be lateral movement. Ah. Or if I then wanted to go work on a computer that maybe had programs beyond that, well, that would be vertical, right? And so okay. in order to be able to protect vertical and lateral movement within the cyberspace or within the storage of this information, we're trying to really, in a meaningful way, do that. Well, we do the same thing when we're talking about these server rooms, mm -hmm. where people's badges only give them access to portions of the server room where they should be working on that particular equipment and not any other equipment that's in the room. You're exactly right. When you start to scrape petabytes of data, you know, if you're doing some sort of artificial intelligence or machine learning type algorithms, it generates a lot of heat. Yes. I would say it's, all, it's akin to mining Bitcoin. Like tons of heat, tons of power, yes. and yes. it yes. has cooling requirements, all these other things. Yes. But then we also have to be able to make sure that that works everywhere in a server room and that not everyone has access to everything, right? Only right. where they need to be in order to, for, to accomplish the mission. And that plays into the different compartmented areas within right. a skip. That's right. Um, and just because you have access to the primary area does not mean you actually... You need to know. So what we say is you have to need to know in material contribution. Okay. So if I am working on a new toaster mm -hmm. and you are over here working on a new mixer, desktop mixer or kitchen right. tub mixer. I don't need to do it in my area because you don't need to know about the special technology right. that's going into my toaster, nor do I need to know about your mixer yes. or the new attachments you're putting on it. So those things, although we they are both classified to the same level, right. I don't have a need to know about yours and you don't have a need to know about mine. That's why we further compartment with inside these facilities. Well, we talked a little bit about, I we build SCIFs, obviously. You work with companies that need SCIFs. You've worked in SCIFs. Um, you've seen skips all over the world, and one of them you talked about um, being part of at that time the largest skiff build. I did. So um, inside the what at the time was the 21st Space Wing headquarters. Now the Space Force has reorganized how they call their different units. But um, I was a vault chief there and was responsible for uh, the 
the reconstruction of an existing SCIF okay. in, into, you know, kind of bringing it up to current yes. code, bringing it up to higher standards, redoing the conference room, and we had, uh, we also maintained a lot of old contracts, etc. So um, I did oversee that that um, before. Early on in my career, um, in this, this portion of my career, when I started out, I had the opportunity to work with um, Lockheed Martin. Mm -hmm. And they have different campuses all over, all over the United States. Yeah. Um, and I've worked at some of them even when I was on active duty. So I, you know, when I was up here, they have two near Denver. One's called the Deer Creek Facility, which is amazingly beautiful. Like the architect, I think they bought it from somebody else, but I mean, it's built into a mountain. They have the whole, oh like they have a whole canyon all to themselves. Like it is amazing. They have, you know, these big spotting scopes where you can see eagles right outside their window. They have a koi pond. I mean, it's it's absolutely over the top. It sounds like a retreat. It does sound like a retreat. <laughs> it does. And then they have one at what's called Palmdale, California, which is in the Antelope Valley, Valley and I think it's like the crack or meth capital of California. Oh. But it's also one of the highest concentrations of PhDs in the entire state because they do a lot of hard engineering there. And it's okay. just like a complete... Dichotomy. Right. It's just like, don't tell anyone at Palmdale that you work at Deer Creek because there, there's hats and have months, right? Yes. And I think that what's important about what we're doing with SCIFs here in Colorado Springs is it it really forces the issue. You got to yes. take care of these people. Yes. Because as much as the information is the is is the national treasure, the people that build these things. Are the, yeah. are the national treasure. Yes. And we have to take care of them or else they're going to go do something else. If somebody's been working their whole career in national security and have had some amount of clearance or been working in SCIFs, you really want them to keep doing it because they're all yeah. going to get better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the other side of that, we talked also about some of the holdups. These, building a SCIF is different in construction um, than any other type of build because there's all the protocol, the, the tape that you have to jump through um, to make sure we're doing it correct all the way through mm -hmm. because ultimately it has to be accredited, which is a, the check mark um, by the government that says that this is up to security code and you can now do business in here. That's right. Um, and the accreditation process, if we build it wrong, then it delays the accreditation right. and delays work um, and so there's a there's all these things and I think that you do also you know so much about SCIF requirements that you help your clients understand the basic needs to qualify to, to be accredited right that's right so when we break that apart to government and then industry the government's kind of used to being disappointed oh okay <laughs> and so when something gets delayed it's just like no well, it's just the government right it's just the way it happens <laughs> But when you're talking about industry, they lose money. Yes. Every minute they're not open and working and generating revenue from that facility, it costs money. Yes. And so that is really kind of my focus now is, mm -hmm. number one, I want to attract the best tech into the city, and then I want them to have a good quality of life. But ultimately, I need them to get open. Yes. And I need them to be working in a facility that is accredited to the appropriate level so they can, they can do their work, their best mm -hmm. work. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. The, you know, if you go sideways from an accrediting official, whether that be the Defense Intelligence Agency or the National Security Agency or any other accreditor, everything comes to a screeching halt, and it's it's the absolute worst thing. It's that the worst. So, by partnering with a construction company that understands that, gets that, and is is sensitive to the fixed facility checklist and to everything the accreditor brings up, 
through the entirety of the project from design to build to credit that is the path of least resistance yes. and that's what I try to bring which is why because he's obviously my preferred vendor when we're talking about skiff, skiff construction so we also got into a little bit of uh, what holds up on the on the government side on the military side what can hold up a build and uh, you had mentioned things that just we would never think about uh, like wildlife habitats yeah yes Oh, that yes. takes us back to the what I believe to be one of the largest gifts that was built in the recent yes. history. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, now yes. You're so, connecting. You're good. My old age. You're good. Uh, so this was at Beale Air Force Base in California, and uh, we were building what we call a military construction project for a very large, which I think was probably around eighty thousand square feet. It may have been smaller. Um, and things that you have to take into account when you're building on new ground. So what? The way you get around this is you just keep re, uh, you know, renovating existing uh, facilities okay. because we have something uh, in that part of California called the fairy shrimp, and I don't I don't consider myself a fairy shrimp expert, uh, <laughs> but I will say that because of all the rain that they've had this year, for example, they don't always swim. They're like inland shrimp or something like that. But when it rains a ton like this, all the marshes start to fill up. Then they do fairy shrimp things mm -hmm. and <laughs> more fairy shrimp are created they swim. <laughs> it's an endangered species or yes. a protected species and so you have to do environmental studies you have to do lots of these types of things because what a lot of people don't know is military bases are primarily always considered wildlife protected areas etc so I mean like even if you go to the Air Force Academy you're gonna see elk turkey beautiful. like things it's you won't see beautiful. just in other neighborhoods, no. neighborhoods because the military fosters that that's right yeah and part of that is it could definitely slow down your project um, if you have to consider a fairy shrimp yeah that's right. so the the engineers are out there building dams essentially yeah so for the fairy shrimp. For the fairy shrimp to make sure that they don't we don't destroy their natural habitat right which right. slows down the build of, of things because you have to you know right and allow most people don't, and as soon as you start talking about protection agencies their calendar is not the same as your calendar. And mm -hmm. It's not, definitely not the same as the government's calendar. You talk about the Army Corps of Engineers. They have a calendar. Yes. And so it becomes complex. Yes. But we, we got to it, and I'll tell you the Ninth Reconnaissance Wing, um, which is the host wing there, they have an amazing facility, and it's filled with uh, lots of people doing amazing things. Yeah, no doubt. We get to it. There's just a little bit of things that we don't think about as construct. Like, what's the problem? It's the shrimp. And we're like, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you mean the shrimp? Probably not your pit. Trace is like, get, find a solution. I'm <laughs> like, right. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think we talked a little bit about um, the impact, yes, on, on skips on people. And we skirted around some of the, the the studies but i think ultimately we're excited to see a, a change in skip environment um to ultimately help it be a place you want to work that's good for your brain um, i talked about um, one of my contacts he's an architect here um, doing studies he builds skiffs he's primarily ts and doing studies on the association of, of skiff work and the suicide rate um, and that's not a fun topic but it's it's a good topic now that we're addressing it absolutely I, I could not agree yeah. more so um, you know veteran suicide active use suicide is always been um, 
tragic, right? Absolutely tragic. And so anything that we can do, I mean, it's, it's not, there's not just one approach, right? right? It's going to take a million approaches to solve it. Um, but I honestly think, um, so in recent history, the Air Force had a very high suicide rate specific to um, DCGS operators. And they work long hours, 12 hours and skips. And not only that, a lot of them are looking at images. And um, so all the lights are off. So not only are you behind a million doors, the lights are all off. Yes. And the only light that you see is the light that's coming from your computer screen. And that's happening for years of your life. Yes. Right. Um, same thing, uh, or similar situation with uh, remotely piloted aircraft operators and their yes, sensor the operators. the little mobile skips that they right. sit in. And so, yeah, no, anything we can do to um, make a better situation for for our airmen, you know, soldiers, sailors, marines, mm -hmm. guardians, um, we're going to do better by them. Yes, and that's one of your passions in general mm -hmm. is not only just community, and that's a lot, but you are passionate about helping service members both while they're in and then when they leave. That's right. And you are a published author how many times over? Well, I have two books uh, scheduled for release this year um, and then a number of other ones to come. That's right. And they're focused on military subjects, That's right? right. So Tangential or what have that's you. That's right. Yeah. So in this chapter of my life, I'm very focused on providing our serving members uh, with every resource that they have available as well as their families and their children. And so, yeah, my Military Might book series is all about that. So my first two offerings that are gonna be released in 2023, the first one is called Military Might, How to Thrive on a Government Salary. And I'll tell you that today's interview couldn't have happened on a better day. Just yesterday, Congress took up a food security uh, discussion for service members. Um, anyone can look up how much service members get made on the internet, it's public record. It's not a lot, and, yeah. and when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's your you know, child-rearing years, right. and if you have a couple of kids in your young 20s, you will be well below the poverty line. Um, and food security is a real thing when it comes to um, the junior folks in the military. And so it's nice to see Congress take that seriously. And so my book, Military Money, How to Thrive on a Government Salary, really breaks down everything that is available to the service member so that they don't have to live that way forever. What Meaning, as they continue to get promoted and make more money and get out of those situations, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't invest in their future from day one. Right, you can plan for it. You can mm -hmm. by taking advantage of other resources that are available to you. It may come as a surprise, but you have a lot of prideful people in the military, right? And a lot of invincible people that want to go and, and yeah. you know, shoulder the I world. I can do it, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so they would rather spend every last money or every, run up every last credit card to feed their kids, keep a roof over their heads, et cetera, et cetera, than to take help. And then meanwhile, in those years, which are honestly the best return on investment when you're planning for your retirement, the military's gone away from a fixed retirement structure. They now have what's called blended retirement, where it's a lot like the um, civilian world. It's matching. Mm. Um, there's some amount of percent, and then they'll continue to match you. But if you're young and have a couple of kids, you're not putting any money into your right. retirement. Therefore, you have nothing at the end. So these are your most valuable um, years to invest. And so I break through that in the book. And, I, and as much as I don't want to say it's a collection of life hacks, it's a collection of things that are specific to the military and their families things they can take advantage of, 
so that they, when they decide to leave the military, they have the freedom to do anything they want, that same freedom that they defended. Right. right? And so that, that's the goal with that one. Okay, well be sure to check out Trevor's books, uh, Military Money. Yeah, that's right. And The Penguin Who Wanted to Be a Seal. Oh, that's right. And again, if, uh, if needed, uh, we would both love uh, to talk about Skips With You Summit uh, Advanced Pro Program Consulting and then Koozie Construction. Um, and it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me today. It's been a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. Yeah.